Hey, hey, good morning. Uh, it's good to be with you again uh, this Sunday morning. I uh, hope things are going well. The weather has uh, gotten better. People are getting out. Things are uh, looking a little better in some ways. In other ways, uh, maybe not so much. But um, hey, we're going to make the most of whatever life gives us, right? As it unfolds, we'll just take it and uh, let God use us. We're talking about engaging Jesus, and next Sunday is Easter Sunday. And so that's a huge day. That is a very, very, very big day. We're talking about this Jesus who came to this earth from heaven, went back to heaven, but while he was here for his ministry on this earth, grew up, you know, uh, as a child, born of a virgin, and uh, Jesus's ministry that lasted about three years from the time he he came on the scene and was baptized by John to the to the day that he died and he ascended back into heaven. Uh, Jesus's ministry was about a three-year ministry that ended with the resurrection, and uh, what a beautiful thing that is. But but during his time on the earth, Jesus engaged with a lot of people. He he engages with people of different races. He engages with people of different uh, different um, standings in the community, uh, different uh, wealth and uh, uh, positions of, uh, of authority or power uh, from lame, sick people to demonic people out living out in the desert to those who had leprosy like we looked at last week to those who are kings and rulers. And so his engagement was with lots of different people. And so this is a really important topic because we want to take a look at Jesus and how he went about what he did, mainly because he now is engaging us. You know, he's, he's engaging your life and my life. And, and, uh, and that's the, the thing that we want to take away from this series is, is first of all, our personal engagement with Jesus. Like, what is he doing in my life? What is he doing in your life? What, how are we growing to be more and more like Jesus? And then the second thing that we want to take away from this series is what God is able then to do through us. How can Jesus impact the world through you? Now, once, once we have our own like relationship with God moving in that direction, the next most important thing that we could ever ponder, consider, or, or, or want to happen in our life is that now God will use us to be his hands and his feet to the world, right? How can Jesus impact the world through me, through my life, through what he he, he engages me in, in this world through the talents that he's given me and the gifts that he's possessed me with. What, how can I use them for his glory? And what is the most important question that I could ever ask somebody that would help them to draw near to Jesus? And that's a really big deal. Like, what can I say to people that won't offend them, won't push them away, but will challenge them to think about their relationship with Jesus so that they can get engaged with Jesus, be changed by him, transformed, and then continue to reach more people for the glory of God. 
Those are the things that must be happening in the life of a Christian. They better be happening in your life. They better be happening in my life. And if they aren't, something is wrong. It's not enough for me to love Jesus and have a relationship. If I'm not sharing Christ with the world at every moment, every opportunity that God brings my way, then I'm not doing what I should be doing. Because there's an urgency in this world for people to come to know Jesus. And God has chosen to use you and me to do that. Well, today, today it's the week prior to Easter, and so we are in Matthew chapter 21. It is the final week of Jesus' ministry and life in the flesh on this earth. Next to his birth, the death and resurrection of Jesus is the greatest event in all of the universe. It's greater than creation. It's greater than anything that has ever happened or will ever happen. His birth and his death and resurrection, without those, we are left here hopeless, without forgiveness, without grace, without an opportunity to come back into the presence of God. And so the power of death and the resurrection in Jesus that he now gives to you and me in our relationship with him and his presence in our life, we can conquer death. And there is no greater power on the planet than that. So we're in Matthew chapter 21, and uh, Jesus is going to make his, his final week triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Let's read it. Matthew 21, verse 1, as they approached Jerusalem... And came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two disciples saying "Go to, to them, go to the village ahead of you. And at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Donkey and her colt. Untie them and bring them to me, Jesus says. If anyone asks you anything, say that the Lord needs them. And he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the fall of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their clothes on the ground, while others cut branches from the trees, and they spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? And the crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. And so Jesus has been about his work, right? He's been about the work of his father for these three years of ministry. He's performed miracles proving to have supernatural power. 
He has taught the truth from heaven, showing himself to be God in the flesh, who knows all things. He has called and chosen certain men to carry out the mission once he leaves. And now it's the final week, it's the last week, and the world is behind him, and the cross is before him. And he understands what he must do. And so here's the big idea. The big idea for this message today and for you and me today, not in any cute way or just some, some fun way, but in a very real way, the truth for you and me today is this. Engaging Jesus is obeying. It's simply obedience. Obeying Jesus. Not sacrifice, not your money, not just doing a bunch of religious things for God, but simply obeying Jesus, his ways, his truth, and his will, generally for all of us, whatever that might be for all of us, and specifically for you. God has a specific will and plan for every one of our lives. Together, we, we, we come together to obey and honor God in a very general way that all Christians are to, to follow, things that we believe, things that we say, ways that we should act, our motives, what's important on the planet, God's value for people, but specifically what he wants me to be doing every day of my life and specifically what he wants you to be doing with your days and your minutes and your money and your life. God's got a plan for us. And, and our job is to seek out God's plan and obey it. Obedience is engagement. The entire event, this entire event is a demonstration this final week and all that's going to, uh, this week is going to lead up to with Jesus and the disciples and Jesus being arrested and Jesus being beaten and Jesus being crucified. All of this is a demonstration of Jesus obeying his father's will. All of it. At any point, Jesus could have bailed out on it. Could have said, forget it, I'm going to just go do my own thing. But all of it is Jesus staying focused and obeying the Father's will. In fact, John said in John 6, 38, Jesus said, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. See, that was Jesus' desire. That he would not do what he wanted, but he would do what his Father wanted. And that should be the desire of our heart as well. Not what we want, God, but what you want in my life. And so every day we're crying out, God, your will be done through different aspects of my life. God, your will be done. Just help me to see, help me to understand, God, your will be done in my life. God, help me to understand your will. That should be a constant prayer. When we talk about praying continually, like all day, we're not talking about going into a monastery and getting away from the world. We're talking about living in the world, engaging in the world, and all through it, engaging with God and saying, God, what's your will for me in this? And in this? And in this? And in every aspect of my life, God, I just want to be used by you. However you can use me, Lord. At every turn, 
what we see in Jesus obeying the Father is the Father is pleased with his Son. Matthew 12, 18, Mark, or Matthew 15, 15, Mark 1, 11, a voice from heaven said, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. Why was the Father pleased with the Son? Because of his obedience to the Father. Because Jesus came here to do what the Father called him to do. Engagement is obedience. So here Jesus is fixed on that final week, that final work that will lead to the cross and will lead to his final breath. And that final breath was for the sins of the world. Jesus going to the cross was for the sin of mankind, to break the curse for not just mankind, but for you and for me. Jesus died for me. Jesus went to the cross for you. This is personal. He did this for personally us. So in verses 1 to 3, here's what happens. There's some preparations that are made, right? For this prophetic entry, right? As they approach Jerusalem, Bethphage, on the Mount of the Olives, Jesus said to two disciples, hey, hey, go to the village ahead of us. You're going to find a donkey and a colt. Untie them, bring them to, to me. And if anyone says anything to you about them, just say, the Lord needs them. The Lord needs them. And they'll let you take them. And, and it's, what's cool is, uh, Mark says, tell them, Mark, in Mark's gospel, this is Matthew's, and Mark, he says, tell them that the Lord has need of them. Uh, the Lord has need of it. And immediately he will send it back here. In other words, I just need to borrow the donkeys. And when you say the Lord said he needed it, the owner's going to say, oh, the Lord did? No problem. Take the donkey. Take the colt. And that's kind of cool how we see in the Gospels, the Gospel writers all fulfilling it in different parts of the story. But so Jesus, this preparation is being made, right? These preparations to go get the donkey because this entry, this grand entry is about to happen. And, and it's an important moment. The, so important that even the prophets wrote about it. Well, in verse 6, oh, let me back up here. Yeah, in verse 6, the disciples went and did, the disciples went and did just as Jesus instructed them to do. And the owner of the donkey and the colt also obeyed the Lord. The Lord said, and so they did. And in verse 7a, they brought the donkey and the colt. And so the all-knowing Jesus he kind of lays out this plan, right? This is his plan of attack. I'm gonna, there's, I'm gonna enter Jerusalem, and it's the final week, and crowds and crowds of people are gonna be there because of the fest, festivals. And so the prophets spoke that the Messiah would enter into Jerusalem a certain way. The Messiah, the Christ, the one that they spoke of, would come into Jerusalem in a certain manner. And so Jesus knows this. He knows all this. And so he knows these things have to line up in order for these things to be fulfilled. And so he lines them up. 
And, and, and it's because, because he knows, because his, high, his ways are like higher than our ways. He knows what we will never know. He is always like three and four and five and 20 and 100 steps ahead. We don't have a clue. Like we don't even have a clue what's right in front of us. But Jesus, he knows what's coming. And he knows what needs to be done because he is the all-knowing Jesus. So I'm coaching uh, middle school baseball, and, and we're in this game a couple days ago. Great game against the, one of the top teams in our little division. And our school traditionally isn't a powerhouse in any way. But we were 2-0 going into this game, and now it's the... We're only playing five innings of baseball because we don't have lights and, and we only had two weeks to kind of prepare for the season with COVID and everything. So everything's scaled down. But we're on the ball field and we're playing ball and we're having a ball. We're up three to one. Going into the final inning, top of the fifth inning, they come to bat. We get our last ups, but we're up. All we gotta do is shut them down. It's their seventh, eighth, and ninth batters. And so, I'm thinking, we got this, right? We got this. And, and the first batter gets up, and boom, he crushes one to left center. The second batter gets up, and he crushes one to right center. And, and they go through their seven, eight, nine, and now they're at the top of the order, and they take the lead. They go up by two. It's five to two, or five to three now. Five, five, five to three. It's five to three. We're down two runs, and, and we come up the bat. And we're at the middle of our order. I've got a couple of good, some of our better batters are right there at the fifth spot. And so my first batter gets on, he makes it over to second base, and my next batter gets on him. So we got two runners on, and now we're at batters seven, eight, and nine. We're at the bottom of our order, and the bottom of our order has been not all that powerful at all. I got a runner at third base, my leadoff is now at third, there are no outs, right? And so... The seventh batter's up, and he's done a really good job bunting, but he gets two strikes on him, and I have him bunt anyway. I give him the bunt signal, and he lays down a bunt, beautiful bunt, toward first base, and my guy on third is an eighth grader, so I trust him to read it and react. And so he reacts, and he flies home, and the pitcher makes a Derek Jeter play, grabs the ball, flips it to his catcher, and the catcher puts a tag on him, and he's out at home the batter's safe at first now i got runners at first and third with one out and i'm wondering was that the right play was that the right play my next batter strikes out my next batter grounds out ball game over we lose by two runs and i keep thinking about this play i keep thinking what if we wouldn't have done that what if he wouldn't have gone, okay? I, I leave him at third base. Don't go on the bunt. We still get our batter out at first on the bunt. The next guy strikes out, and the next guy grinds, grounds out. And so those two runners are left on base anyway, and we still lose. And so I kept thinking, what a brilliant play. Our greatest hope was to make them make the most difficult play they can make. And they made it. They made it. Like by the skin of their teeth, my guy almost got by there. If he is safe at home, and now my runner's safe at first, and I got a runner safe at third, 
and the, the tying runs at third and the winning runs at first, no outs, now we got a chance to get to the top of our order. I'm thinking, that was, that was brilliant. But it was all by accident. It was like, I didn't know down the road all this was gonna happen, but afterwards it just was, seemed so right. And I'd do it a, a thousand times again. But it was a lot of fun, as you can tell. It was just a lot of fun. And we almost pulled it off. It was so cool. But we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen the next batter, the next pitch, the next anything. Yet Jesus, he knows. He knows it all. He knows every bit of it. We give it our best guess. But Jesus, he knows. He knows. He's not guessing. He simply knows. Back to verse 4 and 5. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, a gentleman riding on a donkey, on a colt of the fowl of a donkey. And so all this is done, all this takes place to fulfill what the all-knowing Jesus already knows. And in doing this, Jesus completes the prophecy of Zechariah 9 and the prophecy of Isaiah 62 about the king riding in on a donkey. It was already written thousands of years earlier. Jesus now is living it out. He's fulfilling it because he knows. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. He knows. And not only does he fulfill these prophecies, but he fulfills over a hundred prophecies, every one written about the Messiah. Jesus proving to be the Christ, the Son of the living God. In verse 7b, Jesus has got the donkey in the colt now, and they place their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on, and the, a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others uh, cut branches from trees and spread them on the ground as well. And so we've got this huge scene of Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey and a colt with clothes stretched over him, clothes on the road, palm branches being waved, palm branches on the road. And then the crowd went ahead. Some of the crowd goes in front of Jesus and the donkeys. And some of the crowd is now in the rear following Jesus. And they are shouting loudly, the crowd went ahead and they shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. See, they know that this person, Jesus, is the son of David. He is the son of God. He is the promised one. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And they're shouting loudly and they're shouting boldly and they love the moment and they're hyped up with it. And for a moment, they are all about the king. They are all about their king and they're all about their king coming into Jerusalem, riding on a donkey. It is so, it is so Messiah-like and it's wonderful and it's beautiful. The Messiah has come. Surely this is the anointed one. Let all of Jerusalem rejoice. Jesus, our Messiah. In verse 10, Jesus entered Jerusalem. The whole city is stirred. And they ask, who is this? Some of the people have no idea what's going on. Who, what, what's going on? Who's this? 
And the crowds answered, this is Jesus. He is the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Remember that prophecy? The Messiah would come from Galilee, from Nazareth? Yes, they're thinking, yes, God has fulfilled his promises to us. He has finally sent the Messiah. He has sent the miracle worker. He has sent that great rabbi, that great teacher from heaven. He has sent the promised one. Yes, the Messiah has come. But in a few days from now, much of this very same crowd of people will not be yelling Hosanna in the highest. They will be screaming, crucify him, crucify him. Much of the same crowd. We love Jesus. Yes, we do. We will follow. We'll pursue. Oh, wait. No, we won't. No, we won't. No, we won't. Do you know where the rubber meets the road in our faith? You know where the, the, the rubber hits the road? Where it matters, where something begins to happen. Right? Where the rubber hits the road and things begin to happen. You know where that is in your faith? It, it is not in your, your knowledge of the Bible. It's not in your knowledge of the scripture, even though... It's important to know the scripture. It's not in your acknowledgement of who Jesus is, even though we must acknowledge that Jesus is the Christ, the Son, and the living God. It's not in your church attendance, even though we should gather with God's people and be encouraged and encourage others and share our gifts with the body of Christ. But where the rubber meets the road of your faith, it's in your obedience. It's in your obedience to the ways and the will of God. It's in my obedience to God, not my preaching of God. It's not my talking about God. It's in my life in what I do. It's in my obedience to say, God, your will be done every minute of my life. And then I live God's will in my life. That's where the rubber meets the road. Engaging Jesus is obedience. Obedience to a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus, your own, very own personal engagement with God. That God has opened a way for every one of us to come into a personal relationship with him. Combined with God's impact in the world through you. It's got to be you and God, and then it's got to be you reaching out to the world for God. And that flow has got to happen. It's got to happen. If it's not happening, something is wrong. If you're not doing that, you're not obeying. It's simple as that. Obedience is in a relationship directly with God and reaching out to the world for God. That's obedience producing fruit that will last for eternity. See, the triumphal entry is surrounded by a triumphal crowd. And there's always a crowd, right? There's always going to be a crowd. There's crowds everywhere. 
But the triumphal entry of Jesus coming into Jerusalem is surrounded by this triumphal crowd, right? This is Jesus. They know who he is. They know that he is the Messiah, the Christ that has come from God. And now he is here and... And what will I do? What will I do with this Jesus? What will I do with this Jesus every day? What will you do with this Jesus? See, we are, we are all faced. We are all faced with a decision. Will we follow and obey the triumphant Christ? or the triumphant crowd? Will we follow and obey the triumphant Christ or the triumphant crowd? Jesus came out of his grace and love for every one of us. He came and he lived and he died and he was buried, and he rose again from the dead, and he ascended into heaven, and he's coming back again. Engage with Jesus. Engage with him. Father, please help us as we live each day, as we think about this event and this triumphal entry into Jerusalem. As Jesus saw the cross in his near future. At the end of the week, he would be hanging on a cross. And he did all of this, God, for us, to engage us, that we could engage him. And that he could use us to engage the world. Father, I pray that you'd help us to engage Jesus by being obedient to all that he has said. We love you. And we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Easter is coming. Not Easter bunnies and chocolate and baskets. And that's fun for the kids. But the resurrection of Jesus that we celebrate. That means so much to us. That allows us to even have the opportunity to engage with him. God bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you next time.